0: Hey everybody C here and welcome to dopamine the show that is like the WWE. Absolutely real. I promise today on the show, we're talking about masculine energies, uh, and really talking about like hegemonic masculinity, toxic masculinity, and the seven types of masculinity. So there was a lot in this episode. There's like a good 40 minutes. I kind of talked a lot, um, but I did a lot of reading. So that's really what we did is, is this is more of a factual, um, show. <clears throat> and I give a little bit of my opinion on stuff, but we talk about um, toxic mas- hegemonic masculinity, which is all about explaining why men are, you know, basically asserting themselves as the dominant sex. And then um, talking about the health effects of being of toxic masculinity. Um how it's affecting men in the prison system, how it's affecting young boys and bullying. Um, We're talking about um, physical health effects. And uh, then we're talking about the seven types of masculinity, which is a uh, a parallel to the Graves model, which is the Graves model is something that I'm going to do in the future. Graves model is a vertical model that basically explains um, how collective societies develop and move forward. So someone has basically taken that model and put it specifically into the formula of being of masculinity in terms of like being tribal or caveman or, um, being a ruler or explorer, things like that. So, um, explain all that. There's a lot going on. I really could have split this into two episodes, but I think there's just like so much here. I think it's really interesting and really I want to try to break down as much as I can about, um, you know, the male experience this week as I can, because it's just such an important topic in the world that's going on right now. And, uh, with all of these positive feminist movements and, and racism, racism movements, and, um, there's even parent to child dynamics. Like there's a lot of questioning of norms and traditions and status quo stuff. And, um, you know, men need to come along for this to happen if they've been the ones in charge for so long, quote unquote, that, um, you know, men need to show a better example of what it means to be a masculine, better man and not just be a big, angry, dumb oaf. You know what I mean? So, um, <laughs> I don't know why I felt like I sounded like uh, Beetlejuice there for, you know what I mean? <laughs> I, don't know. Uh, I love Beetlejuice. Um, not going to say his name one more time. It's going to mess me up anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, listen to this episode of dopamine, enjoy yourselves and let me know what you think of this show. Um, by going to dopamine.life and leaving a voice message that would be rad but we're going to hit the button and do the thing and talk about masculine energies let's go drums please <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Hope you're doing okay. Um, I might sound a little bit different only because I changed the gain on the microphone. (laughs) So I'm going to be speaking a little bit closer, probably at a little bit of a lower register. And, um, also i i just haven't been doing much talking today yet so usually my voice starts like kind of gravelly and then it just kind of gets up here <laughs> as the day goes on <laughs> so um you know it's a good time it's it's a it's a good opportunity to get manly on this episode because we're going to talk a little bit about um talk, toxic masculinity but I, I don't know if i'm going to name it that um Basically, I want to define toxic masculinity. Um, this is not meant to be a rant. I'm going to, I mean, I'm sure that I'll rant because <laughs> I do sometimes, but um, for the most part, the goal here is to just kind of um, to to educate a little bit and, um, you know, make aware what the the common perception is, um, as opposed to common sense. You know, I, I find that a lot of people use the term common sense to kind of validate their point as opposed to actually sharing what is common knowledge. And in this case I'm referencing articles and I'm probably going to do a lot of reading in this episode. So I need to take a swig of water so I can be prepared to do that. Ah, hot cha cha. Okay. So we're going to talk about kind of like masculine energies, I guess is probably what we're going to refer to this episode as, because I'm going to talk a little bit about hegemonic masculinity, um, toxic masculinity, and uh, in the second half of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the seven types of masculinity and uh, in terms of sociology and all that stuff and try to help give you guys some information because I thought this stuff was pretty interesting and fascinating and and pretty much conveys what I would have to take extra effort to like organize. <laughs> so that's why I'm referencing uh, literal articles to try to like, you know, help move the point along. But of course, I'll talk about things as I go along. So um, hopefully you've liked this these series of episodes so far. I like the idea of doing themes, but I'm not sure how much I'll stick with it because there are certainly things that have come up where I'm like, ah, I kind of want to pivot and talk about this, but I'm like, I should stick with the theme, you know, stuff like that. So, but I I keep notes as I go along. So, you know, it it helps to get feedback. So if you guys like that, we're doing this sort of themed situation. uh, Let me know. You can send me a message on Facebook or on Twitter at let's go see Note or here on anchor. You can send me a voice message. Uh, I love hearing your guys' voice and, um, Knowing that you're real people that are listening to this, Um, which is the great thing about podcasting, right? Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, with a blog, you can maybe assume that some of the hits are like, maybe it's a robot, you know, but in this case, like... I know that there are people listening. Robots are not listening to podcasts, at least not yet. (laughs) So, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get there at some point. Uh, So, okay, let's get into this uh, hegemonic or hegemonic. I'm not sure how to really say it. um, This is the first time I've actually heard of this. Like within, you know, within the last few days, I kind of just did a little bit of research. So I'm just going to kind of literally read through some of this stuff and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So, Uh, let me make sure I have the thing pulled up that I want to talk about. Actually, no, there's a, there's a, so this is just Wikipedia. I just looked up masculinity or toxic masculinity, and this was the first thing that came up. Uh, so we're going to talk about, um, yeah, there's a toxic masculinity, uh, section. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. So, all right, we'll talk about hegemonic or hegemonic masculinity first. I'm going to use hegemonic because I don't want to keep having to go back and forth. (laughs) So, uh, in gender studies, hegemonic masculinity is part of R.O.R.W. Connell's gender th- order theory, which recognizes multiple masculinities that vary across time, culture, and the individual. Hegemonic masculinity is defined as a practice that is that legitimizes men's dominant position in society and justifies the subordination of women and other marginalized ways of being a man conceptualized and conceptually hegemonic masculinity proposes to explain how and why men maintain dominant social roles over women and other gender identities, which are perceived as feminine in a given society as a sociologic concept. The nature of hegemonic masculinity derives from the theory of cultural hegemony, a mark by Marxist theorist, Antonio Gramsci or Gramsci. Um, SCI, I guess that's a she, Gramsci, uh, which analyzes the power relations among the social classes of society. Hence, in the term hegemonic masculinity, the adjective hegemonic refers to the cultural dynamics by means of which a social group claims and sustains a leading and dominant position in a social hierarchy. Nonetheless, hegemonic masculinity embodies a form of social organization That has been sociologically challenged and changed. The conceptual beginnings of hegemonic masculinity represented the culturally idealized form of manhood that was socially and hierarchically exclusive and concerned with breadwinning. That was anxiety-provoking and differentiating internally and hierarchically. That was brutal and violent, pseudo-natural and tough, psychologically contradictory and thus crisis-prone, economically rich and socially sustained." Many many sociologists criticize the definition of hegemonic masculinity as a fixed character type, which is analytically limited because it excludes the complexity of different and um, competing forms of masculinity. Consequently, hegemonic masculinity was reformulated to include gender hierarchy. The uh, geography of masculine configurations, the processes of uh, social embodiments and the psycho social dynamics of the varieties of masculinity. Moreover proponent uh, proponents argue that hegemonic masculinity is conceptually useful for understanding gender relations and is applicable to lifespan development, education, criminology, and the representation of masculinity and the mask mass communications media, <clears throat> the health of men and women and the functional structure of organizations. Um, okay. So before I go into the toxic masculinity bit, um, I agree essentially that it's useful information. I don't agree that it's like, you know, a fixed thing. Obviously I think the world is changing. I think we're understanding that men don't necessarily have to be in charge for everything to work. Right. So, um, and uh, you know, the tough thing is, is proving that because it's been a basically male run society forever, <laughs> And, um, and, and, Having to kind of uh, adjust that is going to take some time and take some effort. But like I spoke about in yesterday's podcast, we're kind of moving towards this idea that men uh, will have to kind of look inward to kind of strengthen themselves and create a sense of security that goes beyond men just naturally being in charge, right? Right so it's um and it's it's going to involve men having to own their emotions and to be able to grow psychologically and emotionally and become more um uh you know m- more more diverse within themselves even so um, i think it is it is under, it is nice to put all of this in a box per se to understand what is going on or what has been going on So that we can better understand, like, like the article mentioned, like lifespan development, education, criminology, the representations of masculinity and mass communications, the health of men and women and the functional structure of organizations, because it kind of helps you to know where to go by understanding where you've been and where you are in a lot of ways so that we can kind of break some of those rules. You know, I had someone come to me once, uh, when I was doing design work for one of the, um, the, the film marketing job that I had many, many, many moons ago that um, we were doing work for China for the first time. And I knew nothing about design in Chinese culture in terms of like how we would present it in the media. And I was asking for some Uh, some advice from this account manager and uh, saying like, you know, can you get me some information as to, or some examples as to what the current state of Chinese media is? And she was like, well, we just want to do something completely different. And I'm like, well, I can't understand how to do something different if I don't know what is right. (laughs) So it's kind of the same concept while this is like, uh, uh while it's certainly annoying to look at the the past of uh men being the breadwinner and you know just kind of that being the norm and not having this psychological diversity in in the world uh, it's an important thing to reference and look at and be able to 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 use as a means to help us all move forward so that's again that is also why I'm doing these episodes because I want to create this this um awareness that, people are thinking about and structuralizing and analyzing and and creating psychological concepts and sociological concepts around you know the realities of life and what's been happening and that it's not necessarily just you know, an argument that I'm making for the sake of trying to make a point or something, right? So um, we're going to jump straight into this toxic masculinity section, just so we can kind of like break it down and talk about it a little bit. Because I think a lot of us have experienced it, especially women who are listening to this podcast have experienced much toxic masculinity. And a lot of men have exhibited it and grown from it. But there are plenty of men who still haven't. And there's representations of toxic masculinity in the media. And frankly, like, all of these sort of stereotypical cliche perceptions of men, uh, continues to pe- perpetuate the stereotype, right? And it makes men feel terrible because, like, we're assumed to be angry, dumb, big idiots. And, uh, you know, women experience angry, big, dumb idiots, <laughs> you know? So it's not helping anyone, uh, to continue to perpetuate that stereotype. So, w- you know, it involves also you know, psychoanalyzing and looking at the experience of men to continue to change that narrative and change the um, perspectives and things that we teach our young boys uh, so that they can grow up to be uh, more secure men. Because, you know, we talk about um, this, this bit of the article talks a little bit about bullying and how bullying is another version of toxic masculinity, but just at a younger age. And it's all stemmed from insecurity. Like, that's what it all comes down to. So we need to work towards instilling confidence and instilling the idea that kindness is like a badass trait, right? <laughs> so um that's that's part of what this goes into. So I'm gonna read a little bit. There's kind of a couple sections here where it's toxic masculinity, talking about it in psychology, health effects, and then men's movements. Um so we're gonna talk about that and then we'll 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 cut to um we'll take a break. So toxic masculinity. Connell argues that a salient feature of hegemonic masculinity is the use of quote unquote toxic practices such as physical violence, which may serve to reinforce men's dominance over women in Western societies. Other scholars have used the term toxic masculinity to refer to stereotypically masculine gender roles that restrict the kinds of emotions allowable for boys and men to express including social expectations that men seek to be dominant, the quote-unquote alpha male, and their limited emotional range, primarily to expressions of anger. And a quick side note, like, yes, that is kind of all of, like, what I'm trying to get to this week is, like, that, unfortunately, we've limited the stereotypical perception of alpha male as being emotionless. And, frankly, humans are incapable of being emotionless. You can use stoic practices as best as you can in your life and try to help you move forward and move past things. But there are still emotions involved. And when you're basically, when you're denying all of your emotional states, the default emotion tends to come out, which for men tends to be anger. Um, And, you know, this is something that I've learned through doing uh, the Myers-Briggs training also. And like learning more about that is that, if we do not feed our, our all of our functions, all of our emotions, all of our different states of being, the inferior function, which is a subconscious function, will will take over if it's not satisfied enough. Because we I, we typically identify the inferior function as like a three year old child. So if for me I'm an INTP and my inferior is an extroverted feeling, so my emotions I'm a little bit more naturally stoic, but emotionally it comes out a little bit more subconsciously. And if I'm not doing things throughout my day, throughout my life to make sure that my environment's taken care of, the people that I love are taken care of, that I'm being appreciated in the ways that I want to be appreciated, and also returning the favor, that my extroverted feeling will – what they call you'll be in your inferior grip, and my extroverted feeling will take over and – I'll be kind of whiny and I'll start kind of like wanting things and I'll just want like big aspirations and everything will just be like kind of fall out of whack. So it's going to be, look a little bit differently for everybody, but for men in particular, it tends to be seen as anger, um, an emotional expression that is not, um, you know, because they, they just don't know what to do. They don't have the emotional coping skills. Right. So, um, typically, you know, women are, sort of uh, accepted as being able to express more of a wider range of emotions. There are limits there, of course, as well, because a lot of women get crap for expressing anger, like the whole Serena Williams thing that just happened, um, which I'll, uh, you know, not a thing we're going to go into now, but for the most part, it's like there's still kind of double standards when it comes to expressions like anger is a male uh, uh, emotion and really the only emotion that men can have. Um, And then, you know, women can have all of the other emotions except for anger. If you're angry as a woman, then you're off the chain. You're melting down. And, you know, that's just, it's it's messed up on all angles, essentially. So um, we're going to continue reading this. In psychology, Terry Coopers defines toxic masculinity as the constellation of socially regressive male traits that serve to foster domination, the devaluation of women, homophobia, and wanton violence. Um, what does that mean, wanton violence? <laughs> sounds delicious. Um, according to Cooper's mas- toxic masculinity serves to outline aspects of hegemonic mas- hegemonic masculinity that are socially destructive, such as misogyny, homophobia, greed, and violent domination. These traits are contrasted with more positive aspects of hegemonic masculinity, such as pride in one's ability to win at sports, to maintain solidarity with a friend to succeed at work or to provide for one's family. So, um, yeah. And, and and really, that's what I'm trying to get at is trying to have men continue to see the positive aspects of of the things that they're naturally uh, attuned to, you know, being competitive and being proud in who you are. And, um, you know, men are typically really good at, um, you know, connecting as a team, even if they've never worked with someone before and learn each other's traits and strengths and be able to lift each other up. To maintain solidarity with friends and to see succeed at work or to provide for one's family. Those are very um, positive things. You know, being loving and protective and caring and being a good man is a badass trait, you know. So anyway, to continue, toxic masculine norms are a feature of life for men in American prisons. They are reflected in the behavior of both staff and inmates. The qualities of extreme self-reliance, domination of other men through violence and avoiding the appearance of either femini- femininity or weakness comprise an unspoken code among prison prisoners. Suppressing vulnerable emotions is often adopted in order to successfully cope with the harsh conditions of prison life, defined by punishment, social isolation and aggression. These factors like likely play a role in suicide among male prisoners. Um and <clears throat> there's a, there's a really great documentary. I can't remember the name of the documentary, but it was a, um, I think it was a, um, it was a prison guard who runs a Dutch prison. I think it was Dutch or I don't remember for sure. It's some, some Northern European, uh, place. And he ran a, a prison, which is basically the most, um, humane prison, I guess you could say in the world. And he went to a lot of American prisons and saw a lot of this. And, um, You know, it's, it was pretty, it's pretty well-rounded like perspective on what's going on within the prison systems. And it's real sad because like you just punish them the same that you would punish a young boy. And then they just go back out into the world and they want to like let out that aggression and they'll continue to, to do bad things. Right. So, you know it's not therapeutic. It's not about, um, you know, being exposed to positivity. It's just like, you're a heathen, you get put with the heathens and it just kind of digs deeper, right. As opposed to trying to help someone get out. And that's real frustrating. um, from, you know, a male sociological perspective, um, bullying of boys by their peers and domestic violence experienced by boys at home can also be expressions of toxic masculinity. The often violent socialization of boys produces psychological trauma through the promotion of aggression and lack of interpersonal connection. Such trauma is often disregarded, such as in the saying, boys will be boys boys," with regard to bullying. And again, you know, it it just sounds like we have to work towards as people raising kids and whatever to treat, you know, being a good person as a, a positive, masculine rad thing to do. Um, and it's, it's, it's just like such an easy statement for me to say behind a microphone, but it's, I know it's hard when you're raising kids and you have to find out how to reach them. You have to find out how to, to get them to listen or to, um, you know, to, to understand these concepts and it takes time and it takes energy. And, and that's really, I understand that's hard. Um, we're going to take a break because there's still more to read here. And, um, you know we've gone long for this first half so i'm going to take a break we're going to finish off with reading about the health effects men's movements and then we're going to talk a little bit about the seven types of masculinity let's do this break time so yeah welcome back these um these topics are intense you know there's a lot to cover and um so these episodes are going to go a little bit long compared to what I usually do. But uh, I think it's important. And it's important to note also that even though I'm doing the theme of like the male experience this week, I want to be sure to let you know that we'll definitely be talking more about this as we go, as more topics come up and and more ideas come to light. So um, we're going to continue reading here about toxic masculinity and the health effects men who adhere to traditionally masculine cultural norms such as risk-taking violence dominance primary um, primacy of work need a need for emotional control desire to win and pursuit of social status tend to be more likely to experience psychological problems such as depression stress body image problems substance abuse poor social functioning the effects tend to be stronger in men who also emphasize toxic masculine norms, such as self reliance, seeking power over women, and sexual promiscuity or quote unquote playboy behavior, um, which I find personally is often perpetuated by, you know, by media, of course, but also family and not you know, teaching proper values and stuff like that. And I know that's hard because, again, like not everyone who's a parent will be you know, developed person who can teach these values. So it's just like kind of a never ending cycle, but that's why I think it's important to continue in media to show this, that there's more people for, for young boys to look up to because I don't want men to experience depression, stress, body image problems, substance abuse, and poor social functioning. Not only that, but the, you know, the results of that are the side effects of seeking power over women and sexual promiscuity and which could lead to diseases and all things that are harmful. And, um, you know and then just like this stoic behavior of being a cold heartless emotionless man that you know you're not going to have a rich fulfilling life if you're someone that is just trying to shut your emotions down and not tackle anything and not not move forward and not be respectful and um you know uh, just spend so much time seeking social status and this desire to win and emotional control and all of this stuff in such an unhealthy way like that's it's just not good for you And, um, I just, I just want better for men. That's all the social value of self-reliance has diminished over time as modern American society has moved more towards interdependence being both self-reliance and the stifling of emotional expression can work against mental health as they may, as they make it less likely for men to seek psychological help or to possess the ability to deal with difficult emotions. Primarily research suggests that cultural pressure for men to be stoic and self-reliant may also shorten men's lifespans by causing them to be less likely to discuss health problems with their physicians. So, yeah, I mean, if you're not going to be open emotionally, you're going to be embarrassed by a lot of things. You're not going to be able to be open if you're going through any kind of um, physical difficulties or anything like that. Um, I certainly have not been encouraged to go to the doctor, and I've had a lot of issues personally with Expressing myself emotionally throughout my life in healthy ways, uh, I certainly have had this underlying subconscious feeling that i I'm a man, so everything's gonna be easy for me, and uh, I really don't have to try very hard and you know um women should like me <laughs> you know stuff like that, and it's real messed up, and it sucks that that's the perspective that you kind of have growing up, and you have to kind of it's like it feels like starting behind the line right starts behind in in the negative and you have to find a way to get to a place where you can be a good person and be be um you know be willing to be open and being caring and really the the result of that is this podcast me being more open about my own mental health and being open about everything that i've been experiencing in life and being uh vulnerable to and and also feeling like that vulnerability is not making me feel like less of a man. If anything, it's actually propelling my value and me feeling like I can be a strong, confident, uh, and almost like a mentor type of man to other young men in life. And that's just something I want to continue to work towards as, and you know, it's, it's tricky because like men tend to, you know, we're we're going to or really not just men, but everybody is going to, um, you know, learn through adversity, but I wish it wasn't this kind of adversity. You know, I wish that our society was better at teaching men that they could be expressive and that it is um, that violence isn't an answer. Dominance is not an answer, you know, risk-taking and like <clears throat> pursuit of social status does not define you as a man, stuff like that. So hopefully we can get there one day, but who knows? It's, it's just like one battle of one person at a time, really. Uh, So then this last bit is uh, some authors associated with the uh, mythopoetic men's movement have referred to the social pressures placed upon men to be violent, competitive, interdependent, independent, and unfeeling as a toxic form of masculinity in contrast to a quote unquote real or deep masculinity that they say, men have lost touch with in modern society. The academic shepherd bliss proposed a return to agrarianism as an alternative to the potentially toxic masculinity of the warrior ethic. Sociologic, um, soci- sociologist, uh, Michael Kimmel, writes that Bliss's notion of toxic masculinity can be seen as part of the my mythopoetic movement's response to male feelings of power, powerlessness at a time when the feminist movement was challenging traditional male authority. Thus, uh, shepherd bliss, for example, rails against what he calls toxic masculinity, which he believes is responsible for most of the evil in the world and proclaims the unheralded goodness of the men who fight the fires and till the soil and nurture their families. And I think that is the point again, of doing this entire show this week is that there's a lot of emphasis on toxic masculinity and men getting kicked out of their jobs for doing, um, you know, negative social things and, uh, sexual harassment and all sorts of things. And, um, it's important to continue to lift men up who are doing the right thing to continue to show that, yes, if you're a good man, if you're continuing to, to protect and love and nurture things, good things are going to happen for you. And, um, We don't typically highlight those stories. We usually highlight the atrocities. We highlight all of the the bad things that are going on. And as a result, it is assumption that all men are like that. And and, um, I don't want to have these conversations where I hear some dude go, not all men, well, fucking speak up, you know, uh, show that you're a good man. Show it. Don't talk about it. Just do it and uh, be better. So that makes me kind of... (laughs) passionate, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, so real quick, since we kind of ran along for this show, we're going to, we're going to go through this seven types of masculinity. I thought about just doing this as a separate episode, but for the most part, we can kind of run through this fairly quickly. So, um, to make this model of masculinity accessible to those of us who, are, who are not psycho- psychologists, okay. um, actually let me read back a little bit. Um, I'm just reading verbatim on the article. Last month, I had the privilege of speaking at the UK's first male psychology conference, where I presented my thinking on the seven different stages of masculinity. These ideas are based on the work of psychologist Claire W. Graves, who created a biopsychosocial model of human development and, um, which is. This is so I talked about the Graves model a little bit um a few episodes ago. And this Graves model is basically the, a similar interpretation but for masculinity. Um so I think I'm I might do an episode specifically about the Graves model in the future as something that because I'm I'm interested in that. I haven't done a lot of research, but the Graves model is basically a vertical model of the development of of humanity as far as we know. But it's like it starts literally from primal caveman days to tribal, to warrior, to different kinds of, uh, uh, societal structures and understanding. And, um, a lot of this is in relation to that, but, um, we'll, we'll do another episode in the future that, that breaks that down specifically. Um, you know, cause there's like you know, level six is like philanthropy level seven is like a thought leader level five is like, um, someone who's a little bit more in the entrepreneurial spectrum and actually doing well for themselves and living a life that is a little bit more freedom of structures and stuff like that. And four is kind of like, um, living within uh, a social construct or living within like a you know uh, doing well within society as it were in, in some sort of way and most people in the country are like kind of 2 or 3 which is just a little bit below that they're kind of you know struggling essentially so uh, so that this model is in um basically in parallel to that so to help make this model of masculinity accessible to those who aren't psychologists and give each stage of masculinity an easy to remember name that reflects its key characteristics as follows caveman masculinity tribal masculinity warrior ruler explorer, peacemaker, and integral. The theory is that all men experience some or all stages, all of these stages of masculinity at various times in their life, but generally be most comfortable with one particular stage. By reading the descriptions below, you can get a sense of which stage of masculinity you associate with and begin to better understand, uh, uh, to, to get a better understanding of what makes different men tick. So we're going to start with caveman masculinity, um, it, mostly found at a collective level in prehistoric communities. If you can picture a human with a conscious awareness of a baby living in a man's body and driven only by his bi- biological need to survive, then you may imagine a sulky male teenager. <laughs> uh, caveman masculinity is far more basic, fundamental, and instinctual than a modern teenager. If you are unlikely to ever encounter it in a, at a collective level in the 21st century, um, uh, wait, Uh, hold on. Caveman masculinity is far more basic, fundamental, and instinctual than a modern teenager, and you are unlikely to ever encounter it in a collective level in the 21st century. Right. Okay. That makes sense. I read that wrong. Sorry. Uh, at an, um, as a, at a personal level, you experienced caveman masculinity as a baby when you drew upon your natural unconscious instincts to try and get your needs met, um, People, psychologists use the word unconscious, but I keep thinking of unconscious as like knocked out. <laughs> I like using the term subconscious. It just, I don't know. I got to figure that out one day. <laughs> it keeps tripping me up. Um, the next one is tribal masculinity, which is a more sophisticated than the caveman masculinity. It can be seen in the development of shared rituals, traditions, and superstitions. And it's found today in tribal cultures around the globe, the globe. I don't know why I said it that way. (laughs) You could also find tribal masculinity closer to home and the collective worship of local and natural national sports teams and modern mating rituals like stag nights and in the tribal culture of street gangs. Um, For those of you are not familiar with the word stag stag nights are essentially like bachelor and bachelorette parties or um, uh, uh, or going out like in groups to try to like, you know, round up the opposite sex. Um, so uh, uh, let's see in uh, uh, the development of shared rituals and traditions and superstitions. And there's still plenty of that today. And um, which is why this would be indicative of like the graves, graves level two. Uh, and a lot of people are still within this level two and three, which is tribal. And the next one is warrior warrior with its drive for power and dominance can be seen at play in rogue States where political movements like the Taliban and ISIS take control. Historically, the feudal system found across medieval Europe with its rigid hierarchy from kings to nobles to knights to peasants is a clear example of warrior masculinity being played out on at a collective level. In modern democracies, warrior masculinity can sometimes be found in the gray economy of contraband, stolen goods, loan sharks, protection rackets and organized crime. Warrior masculinity is also present in white collar boxing, cage fighting, hedonistic celebrities from the world of music. And, uh, show business, rebellious teenagers and tantrum prone toddlers. While many of the examples are negative, warrior masculinity can be, uh, heroic, protective and a powerful force for self preservation and personal advancement. So, yeah, I mean, it's nice that, that, that they mentioned kind of the dichotomy there. But like I said, most of society is closer to two or three on this model, on the Graves model, which again, this is in parallel to. So. Um, number three here, the warrior masculinity is almost the equivalent of like being obsessed with pop culture. And like, uh, I don't know. I think of, um, a pretty good modern example is like, uh, uh, uh Jersey shore types, <laughs> I guess you could say, um, uh, guidos for lack of a better word. Apologize if you don't like that word. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but on a larger level, it's more about like the, uh, the, protection rackets and stuff like that, contraband. And uh, there's like ISIS and Taliban. And I know it's going to be like insulting to think it's all on the same level, but in some way it is all interconnected. So uh, I like, I like the, the notion of that. I think that's a, that's a pretty well constructed um, thought, but again, you know, it can be heroic, protective, powerful force for self-preservation and personal advancement. And I think the country right now is mostly out of three and we're trying to move forward. And usually when there's, um, when the Graves model, when someone is, when a society is typically, because the Graves model is more societal focused, when a society is trying to move from one level to the next, there's typically some sort of major conflict or war or something like that. And I think the world under like Obama or rather, uh, the U S was kind of at a slightly higher level and kind of pulled back down. And we're kind of like in between a little bit right now. Um, and again, that's not my personal opinion. That is just what I see. Um, <clears throat> So ruler masculinity, which is the fourth one, can be clearly seen in the world of team sports where each player has a role and everyone is bound by a single set of rules. It is no coincidence that football's regular um, first regulatory body, the Football Association, Proper football, by the way, was founded in Victorian England, a uh, society where rules and roles were paramount. Ruler masculinity is usually associated, uh, usually socially conservative, and is more comfortable in settings where men and women's roles are clearly defined and distinguished. This stage of masculinity is fundamental to traditional religions with their adherence to agreed rules and absolute truths. So, again, like, you know, much of society is also within four. Uh, five explorer masculinity, which on the Graves model is equivalent to someone who's like an entrepreneur type explorer masculinity has its roots in the age of enlightenment or age of reason when logic and individualism become more important than collective traditions. It is seen in the fight for the the individual rights of man and woman as symbolized by both French, the French revolution and the unbridled individualism of modern capitalism. If ruler masculinity shapes the game of sport, then it is explorer masculinity that is running the business of sport. Explorer masculinity is practical, rational and merit meritocratic and believes that the pursuit of individual success should be encouraged, acknowledged and rewarded. And I think that's a lot of what you see in society today. A lot of like Gary V types and people who are just making their own way. They're being the ones in charge. Everyone wants to be a founder or CEO or whatever. Um, So you get a lot of that, a lot of societies moving in that direction too. So you've got uh, a decent amount of people in three, some in four, and some in five. Um, A lot of traditions and cultures and stuff are in four in terms of the Graves model. But um, in terms of uh, male, the masculinity, you see a lot of, um, you see a decent amount of the Explorer these days. Uh, Six is the Peacemaker. And in comparison to the Graves model, six is a little bit more focused on, um, uh, philanthropy and kind of seeing beyond yourself a little bit, you know, you've maybe done well financially and starting to move forward. So the peacemaker masculinity has, um, came to the prominence in the swinging sixties with the rejection of both traditional and commercial values. Peacemaker masculinity is strongly associated with feminism, gay marriage, animal rights, vegetarianism, environmentalism, anti-capitalism, and human rights campaigning. Men who associated with peacemaker with the with peacemaker masculinity are often considered to be more sensitive and empathic than typical men quote unquote and tend to believe that they that we should work collectively to improve the lives of the have-nots, quote unquote um, So, yeah more of a philanthropic that's such a word philanthropic um <laughs> term uh that is such a yeah That's a a thing. And then the last one, seven, which on the Graves model would be the equivalent to a thought leader, would be the integral masculinity, which is difficult to find at a collective level. It is certainly at a play with uh, Nelson Mandela when he united many different stages of masculinity in the creation of post-apartheid South Africa. This is a typical quality of integral masculinity, which can provide you with the ability to remain true to your own values while still appreciating and understanding the values of others, no matter which stage of masculinity they represent if ruler masculinity is strong and protective, uh, explorer masculinity is assertive, independent independent, and competitive and peacemaker is more vulnerable, yielding intimate, collaborative and nurturing Then integral masculinity is at its best, strong and vulnerable, assertive and yielding independent and intimate competitive and collaborative and protective and nurturing. So it's important to note that each state listed above is valuable and valid and, and, um, is a response to the constantly evolving and changing life conditions that we face as men. You know, each stage has its own potential, uh, strengths and weaknesses. And, uh, in relation to the Graves model, this is about like the larger scope of things. So this is like where society lands on a collective level, the grave, the Graves model, you know, you could think about like where you might fall. And, um, typically, you know, that will involve, um, Uh, you can say you're, you're, uh, you're at a certain level, but really you're only as best as your weak link, right. In terms of community and society. So even if you feel like you're at a level seven as an integral masculine man, um, it's important for you to continue to try to lift men up to that level as well. And to, you know, to, to create a sense of strength. And it's important also that while this is a vertical model and there's, certainly a sense of hierarchy here, it is, it doesn't mean that there's an excuse to, you know, kind of look down on people. And certainly if you're at a higher level and you're looking down on anyone, then you're probably not at a higher level. Um, (laughs) You know, so that's, that's kind of the tricky part, right? So uh, I'm going to cover the Graves model and more specifics in another episode, because I think it's really interesting. So you kind of got two episodes in one here. Uh, So I talked a little bit about toxic masculinity and all that stuff in the first half. And then we talked about the seven types of masculinity in this episode as well. So just as a quick quick recap, we've got the caveman masculinity, tribal masculinity, warrior masculinity, ruler masculinity, explorer masculinity, peacemaker, and integral. So this was r- written on a website called Inside Man. Um, so just look for seven masculinities, Inside Man. Maybe that's a way to Google search it if you want to read that yourself and check that out. It's certainly in relation to society's growth and um you know, it is kind of formed based on the Graves model, which we will talk about in the future. So that is going to wrap up this episode, I'm going to go watch the Apple iPhone event. And, uh, you know, if you, obviously, this is going to air after I do that, but um, if you ever want to follow me on Twitter during these events, I tend to like live stream these things or live tweets. So you can follow me at let's go see notes on my personal channels. We also have a, uh, dopamine specific, um, Twitter handle. So dopamine show, and I've been doing a little bit more with Instagram on dopamine. So dopamine podcast on Instagram. If you have any thoughts or questions or comments about this topic, uh, you can hit me up on anchor. And, um, you can also leave a comment or review. That would be absolutely amazing. If you're on iTunes in particular, that'll help us kind of move up the rankings. Just a quick little note about like, Hey, this is great or you're the worst, but please don't say that. <laughs> um, uh, and then we'll continue to move on. So, um, dopamine If you want to leave a, um, financial contribution, that'll help me continue to do this. Cause I would love to make this my living. I would do multiple episodes a day. It would be fantastic. And, um, yeah, go to cnote.media to check out my courses and all the things that I do. So, um, with that said, um, hopefully you've learned something about masculinity in this episode and we're going to continue to talk about this for the rest of the week. And, um, as we continue to talk about the male experience. So, um, I appreciate your patience with this topic as this is something that we're trying to formulate uh, a positive conversation around men and trying to encourage them to be better men, because, You know, if the same thing with children, which, of course, a lot of people, unfortunately, relate men to children, you know, if you're just punishing them all the time, they're going to be bad. So we want to continue to encourage men to that, that being a good person, that being helpful, being protective, being loving, being sensual, being uh, um, all of those positive, good things, all expressing emotions are badass masculine things that that will fill your testosterone tank gross. Okay. (laughs) We're going to wrap this up. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening to this show. Take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll catch you next time on dopamine. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.